It's time to write a new story. This is Success Stories with Madison Piper. It's the place where women discuss how to make an impact. Here's your host, Madison Piper. Hello, Success Stories listeners. If you want to get good with your money, this episode is for you. So thank you for coming today because today's guest is quickly becoming one of America's favorite personal financial educators. She's an award-winning teacher of financial education, an author, and specializes in helping women learn the ins and outs of their finances. She is none other than Tiffany Aliche, the budget anista. Now, Tiffany teaches us how to create and automate and personalize our plans to achieving financial wholeness. She also empowers us to get good with our money and talks about all things regarding shame and debt, how to overcome financial hardship. She tells her stories and talks to us about how to create a budget and understand credit. She really is making an impact. And today we talked to her about all of those things and how she's using her influence to impact one of the most impressionable generations. So Tiffany, thank you for coming into Success Stories. We are so excited to have you here today. Thanks for having me, Madison. I'm excited too. I love Success Magazine, so. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad. We love you too. We had you in the Success Room on Instagram not too long ago, and Mm -hmm. that was honestly one of my favorite conversations. So I'm excited to talk to you here today and dive deeper into all of your work as the budget nista. Mm -hmm. So Tiffany, you founded and run the budget nista, but you did that based on a lot of research, extensive research that you've done in regards to the pay gap between men and women, but specifically black women. And this podcast being about women of impact, I want to know a lot about what you found and what motivated you and drove you to make the impacts in everything that you do today. So, yeah. So not only did I find that, yes, women make less than men. And typically when we see the numbers about women making less than men, really what they're talking about is white women compared to white men. And then when you dive deeper, you're like, oh, wait, black women make less. And then you dive deeper and you find out Hispanic women make even less. And then you dive deeper, you find out that Native American women make even less. And so what I found was it's not just, it's, it's a twofold issue. It wasn't just that women make less than men, but there's also there was also less access to financial education. So not only did you make less, but you were less likely to know what to do with the less that you made because there was not financial education specifically set aside for women. And it was so odd because it seemed like through benign neglect or purposeful barriers that there were things put up as, as I was seeking financial education, it almost became like, um, you know, like in high school, it's like the popular girls table and they kind of scoot over. So you can't sit mm-hmm. here. And I'm like, that's weird. Well, I, I can't learn. No. Oh, I can, can I sit here? No. And you're just, so I, I started the budgetista because I was fortunate in that my father made room for my sisters and I. I'm one of five girls. He was a CFO and an accountant. He had his bachelor's in finance, his master's in economics. So he always taught us about money at home. He normalized speaking about money. That's why I thought it was weird when I got into the world that nobody wanted to talk to me about money. And so I realized that so many of my girlfriends, especially when I went to college, didn't have access. So I became like this conduit between the world of personal finance and, and my girlfriends. And that's how the budget needs to started. 
Wow. And you know, isn't it crazy how they teach you all of these different things in school, but they never teach you how to build a budget. They teach you proofs and geometry, but they never <laughs> teach you about credit or budgeting. And so, and there's so many stigmas about talking about money. And I think a lot of people are afraid of it and almost ashamed of it because a lot of us are in debt or mm-hmm. have, you know, things going on that we don't want to externally put out there. So we just deal with it on our own or we don't deal with it and pretend like it's not happening. Mm-hmm. But there was a point in your life where you found yourself $300,000 in debt. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit about that and then about how you were able to pick yourself up, uh, develop a plan and move forward. So it was really hard. And I'll say this about not teaching it in schools. I'm fortunate because in the state of New Jersey, they had a law in place for financial education for high school students. Then I helped write the law and get it passed for the for financial education, making that mandatory for middle school students. And we're wow. currently working Yes, they call it the Budget Nista Law, A1414. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> and so we're also working on the law for elementary school students. So that way, in the state of New Jersey, as soon as you start kindergarten all the way to 12th grade, you will get financial education. That's my goal. So we're like more than halfway there. <laughs> Tiffany, uh, that's incredible. That's so important because I feel like, seriously, it really is. I mean, mm-hmm. like people go through you know, all of these years of school and yeah. they never learn about any of this stuff. Then they're thrown out into the world. And, and then talk you know, to just like, it's almost, I always say like, and I know you asked me the question before and I'll get to the $300,000 oh, yeah. in debt. But how I, how I akin it to is that imagine that you fell down the stairs and you broke your toe. Nobody would say, ah, oh, Madison, you don't know how to set a bone? Like, hello, <laughs> you're 25. Why don't you know how to set a bone? No. Did you go to medical school? Like, did you get access to intense research and learning mm-hmm. about how to set a bone. No, we would not expect that. And yet we feel, feel like you're 18 now, money, no money. Even yeah. if you've never had any prior access to financial education and it's disheartening. So I used to be a preschool teacher for 10 years and I taught my babies about money. I actually even wrote a book recently so people have access to teach their their little ones. It's for ages three to seven called Happy Birthday, Molly Moore. And it teaches what I call age-appropriate um, financial, pre-financial education lessons, you know? And because I thought like, okay, I was fortunate to get that early on, but if you don't have access as a parent or a caretaker, you know, where do you get access to that? Because I knew, because I did it, that kids start asking you to buy them things, not just can I have, mm-hmm. not just can I get, but can you buy me around three or four? Mm-hmm. And if they've said buy, that means they know about money. Yeah. You know? Because <laughs> people are like, oh, no, no, he's too young. I'm like, mm, Johnny said, can you buy me? Yeah. You know, like he knows that you're making an exchange. He might think mm-hmm. that money lives on your phone or or on your on your on a plastic credit card or whatever, but he knows that there's an exchange for for goods and services for money. And so mm-hmm. let's make sure that the knowledge that he has is being directed in a way that's going to to help him later on. So mm-hmm. that's first and foremost. And so although I had all of the amazing upbringing of learning about personal finance at home, I by the age of 26 I would say I was financially perfect. Mm-hmm. And so I had like a. I, I'd saved in like two and a half, three years, I'd saved $40,000 on a preschool teacher salary. Mm-hmm. I bought a condo. Um, you know, I put a down payment down and I got a condo. Mm-hmm. I I was able to purchase my car. I had a two-year-old car and I purchased it cash for like $5,500. So I had no car note. My credit score was an 802 and everything looked great. And then because I was just listening to what my father told me and I was feeling myself, as the young people say. And so I decided I was no longer going to listen to the smartest person about money 
that I know that had all these degrees. I'm like, why would he know more than me? I'm 25. Mm -hmm. I know these things. And I totally (laughs) went on to destroy my financial life after that. Um, So I went to to grad school because I I didn't really have much of an undergrad because I I commuted. So I think I owed maybe like $5,000 and I paid that off. But I went to grad school, the most expensive private grad school, like in New Jersey, ended up with $52,000 worth of of, of student loan debt because I got my master's in education. Um, then I bought a condo, which is not necessarily a bad idea, but I bought that for $220,000 with, you know, obviously a, a down payment. Then I started to ask around to everyone but my father, how do you learn to invest? And a friend who I thought was a friend of mine turned out he wasn't. I like to call him um, Jack, Jake the Thief and oh. JTT for, for short. And he said, I'll teach you how to invest. And what he really did was got me involved in a credit card scam that left me $35,000 in credit card debt. <gasps> yes, it was no. devastating. And not as devastating as it would have been had I done something about it sooner, but I didn't. I refused to take responsibility. I didn't tell my parents. And I just said, I'm just going to harass Jake. Every day I was calling, texting, calling, texting, like, give me my money, give me my money, my money. And I could have honestly paid it off over time, but I refused because I said, it's not my fault. He's the liar. He's the thief. And then the great recession happened and I lost my job. So now I have all of this debt and no job. And I just remember being like, that was the spiral for me for the next few years. I went from financially perfect to like spiraling down to like a 547 credit score, $300,000 in debt, moving back home with my parents to my middle school bed when I was 30 because I I lost my home to foreclosure because I couldn't afford the mortgage. You know, that credit card debt growing even more because I couldn't afford to pay that off. And it was, I would say, ages 29 to 32 to 33 were my financial dark times. So about three or four years where I really struggled to get back on my feet. And I thought, this is how life is going to be Um, until really it was a friend of mine, my, my best friend, Linda, who shook me out of it. Basically, she was like, why are you not? I didn't hang out. I didn't pick up the phone. I just was like sitting in a dark room every day. And she was like, what's wrong? you know, after like avoiding her phone calls. And I told her and she's like, so you're broke? Girl, everybody's broke. I mean, <laughs> she, she was like, girl, I've been broke since 25. You were the only one with a little bit of money. <laughs> and so, you know, we, I was crying, but then I started laughing. And then she was like, no, honestly, let's make a list of our friends. Such and such broke. Oh, she's broke. Oh no, that one. He's been broke since he was 18, you know? Mm-hmm. And so what she did was she, first of all, won. She allowed me to see that I had not kicked anybody's puppy. I made financial mistakes. You know, it's not a condemnation of my character. You know, I just made some choices that I could have made better choices, but I can still make better choices. So she allowed me to look at myself, laugh at myself and realize I was not alone. And because of that, I was able to lift the shame because shame shields solutions. Mm -hmm. And once I was able to lift the shame, I realized, Tiffany, your whole life, you were taught the solutions of how to fix these things. You know how to do this. You you know how to budget, you know how to save, you know how to fix your credit, you know how to get out of debt. You just forgot what you were good at. And so as I was putting my life back together, friends took notice and they asked me if I can help them, then friends of friends, then friends of friends. And then I launched the Budget Nista to, to accommodate the number of especially women and especially women of color that came to me. You know, Tiffany, I'm sitting here listening and talking to you. And when you talked about your credit score going down and all this debt going up and the credit card debt, it's it's like that spiral that just keeps getting Mm -hmm. out of control, right? I'm sure there are a lot of people listening today that are can 
identify with that feeling and that feeling of never being able to get out of it, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm $300,000 in debt. I only make this much money. I'm not going to pay that off until I retire. And at that point, I'm never going to be able to retire and all this stuff, right? So how do you get yourself out of that mindset? How are you able to pull yourself out? I know that you said your friend Linda really helped you, but Mm -hmm. how are you able to look at your situation for what it was and then strategically make a plan to move forward? So first, like, so one, having an accountability partner. So I always tell people, get yourself a Linda, like an accountability mm-hmm. partner. They don't, Linda's not a financial expert or anything. It was just mm-hmm. someone who I could co-work on my finances with that was not going to offer up any judgment. Mm-hmm. So whether that's your work mom, whether that's your bestie, your sister, your brother, your your actual parent, parent you know, finding an accountability partner that you can be honest with your financial woes with and say, this is what I'm working on. Can you hold me accountable? Mm -hmm. That's one of the ways because you have to release the shame. And the only way to release the shame is to speak it. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to talk about it because shame grows in silence. So Mm -hmm. when you're like, I'm not telling anyone, I'm just going to allow myself to sit in this darkness and no one's going to know. Shame loves that. It's like, yes, you know, she's quiet. You know, we get to grow strong. But the moment that you speak on it and say, this is what I'm going through, you know, shame is like a vampire. It does not like that sunlight. So that's one. Mm -hmm. You know, two, to you have to forgive yourself and say and, and remind yourself that you did not hurt anyone. You know, that you did not, you know, you did not break any law. You know, you this is a you made choices based upon what you knew best, you know, and these choices have led up to where you are now. But the great thing is because the, the issue is you, the solution is also you, that you have the power at any moment in time after you've forgiven yourself, to make new choices. And if you make enough new good choices, it will outweigh the old not-so-great choices. You know, so like empower yourself with, I put myself here. That's awesome because if you put yourself here, you can put yourself there. Mm -hmm. So the reason why I was stuck for so long is because I told myself I did not put myself here. Jake the thief put me here. And so as long as it was his fault, I was always going to stay there. But the moment I said, well, honestly, Tiffany, you know, his proposal about how you're going to make money does sound a little ridiculous. <laughs> like, girl, <laughs> that didn't make any sense. And I'm like, so once I was able to say, yeah, you really probably could have made a better choice without mm-hmm. judgment, taking responsibility is not the same thing as judging yourself. Okay. Once I was able to do that, then I was able to say, well, you know, Tiffany, just like you made that choice, you can make a new choice. So then third thing is really to start making a plan because a plan also helps to like get your creative juices going. Like, mm-hmm. okay, we're, 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 it's like when you're planning for a trip, you might say, I want to go to Greece. I want to go to Greece. You know, you've been saying that for three years, but when you actually start to go on Airbnb, go on, you know, a, a website, you know, to get your plane ticket. Once you start creating a plan now, all of a sudden you're like, oh, what should I wear? And mm-hmm. what time of year should I go? So creating a plan actually starts you to taking action on the, on the, on the, on the goals you're trying to reach with your finances. And so if you do those things, it will help to shift your mindset toward action, actionable goals. So you can reach, you know, like whatever the other side is for you financially. But I promise you that it's one foot in front of the other. And if you keep taking those steps, you will be on the other side. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that's really great advice. And I think that there's like a, a level to, of education to that. And people mm-hmm. are really scared. I'm not scared. That's not the right word. I think that 
people just like don't take the time because they feel like they're they use the excuse they're financially ignorant, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm just really bad with money. I'm real. I'm not a business minded person. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. But something you told me this the last time I spoke with you um, on the success room. You said, um, Madison, if you can plan a wedding. You can make a budget. Yes. Because <laughs> literally, know? it'll be whole doctors who are like, oh, I'm not good with budget. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. but you literally save this woman's heart. Gotcha. But the budget's yeah. too hard. Or it'll be yeah. like a stay-at-home mom. I'm like, oh, so you are literally taking care of a life, a whole life. Mm-hmm. But the, the one plus one is two. That's too hard, please. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you don't give yourself enough credit. Like, mm-hmm. you got up this morning, literally... Women will spend the first 10 years of their life, 15 years of their life, figuring out, like, my hair looks best just like this. Mm-hmm. My eyebrow shape is this shape. So if you can spend 10 years <laughs> figuring out your eyebrow shape, I promise you, you you can spend a few months figuring out some basic financial, like, um, foundations. And so we don't give ourselves enough credit that you can do it because you're already showing aptitude in other areas of your life. Because what I what I typically hear, especially from women, what I'm really hearing is, it's not, it's not a capability issue. It's a mm-hmm. confidence issue. Mm-hmm. And so tell yourself, if I can do this, I can certainly do that. I mean, absolutely. And do you think that there's like a level of conditioning that plays into that confidence? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to get too far into that, but like part of, <laughs> part of me is like, you know, we're taught at such a young age that it's really important to have our nails done all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really important that by the time that we're 12 or 13, that we don't leave the house without mascara. Mm-hmm. So we invest all this money, all this time. We, we think it's a great idea to take our credit card and go to Ulta, go to Sephora, go to Target, get makeup, take a loan out on that makeup. Cause that's what that is. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I'm not saying don't go out and do things to make yourself feel good. I'm the first to, to get up and do my hair and my makeup and my nails, but mm-hmm there's like a level of like importance. Like we're not taught finances at a young age. We're not taught about credit, how to build credit, what it is, but we are taught that, you know, if we don't have nail polish on our nails, Mm -hmm. you know, people might think that we're unkept. Do you think that that's like, that plays into why there's a gap? I mean, I've been conditioning in general, like, like, look at what, like, they're doing this whole STEM movement because up until now, they've been telling girls, just so you know, you're not good at science and math. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm like, mm, I watched, what is that movie where it was like these three black women that helped to put the first man on, on the moon? I forget the name of the- Hidden Figures. Hidden, it's right? a great I'm movie. Like, right? So I'm like, really? Because they look like they're mathing over here. Yeah. You know? Because <laughs> you know, literally that- so I think it's even deeper than that. It's just mm-hmm. being told. Like, so I'll give you an example. My sister is an engineer. She's a mechanical engineer. Was like the only woman in her class, mm-hmm. right? And um, she has a daughter, Amelia, who is the sassiest thing. She's literally like my, <laughs> she's my love child. Like I'm like, oh, is this how I was? No wonder my parents were exhausted. Amelia's <laughs> a lot. So Amelia's all over the place. And she asked me. She said, Auntie, there was a handle on one of my like kitchen drawers, or whatever. That clearly she loosened. Cause she's mm-hmm. like, um, this is loose. I'm like looking at her like it was not loose before you got here. So I told her, <laughs> we're going to go get a tool. I was like, this is called um, whatever it was. It was a screwdriver. And I said, look, you know, I said, this is Uncle Jarrell, my husband. This is Uncle Jarrell's screwdriver. And look, girls can fix it too. And my sister said, don't say that. And I was like, what? Don't say what? She was like, you don't, if that was Roman, her son, her son is two years older. Would you say, hey, Roman, look, boys can fix it too. Mm-hmm. She's like, you're already telling her like, Clearly, the girls can't fix it because you had to qualify that girls mm-hmm. can fix it too. And I was like, I never thought about that. 
that's the kind of language because she's right. If I was showing Roman, I would just say, hey, Roman, look, you can fix it. Look, I would not have to say this is what girls can do because I'm implying that that's not what society thinks. And so when she told me that, I was like, you know, she's like, as a woman, as an engineer in a field where we're told that girls can't, I don't want my daughter to be like, I don't want her to have limits of what girls can do because everything we do, we're like, girls can do that. And girl, yes, of course, like, duh. Mm-hmm. I don't even have to say they can. You just watch me do it. And yeah. so I think that that's the, that's the conditioning that we've gotten for so long and our young women get for so long that, you know, that, that there are certain things that are hard because you're a woman. High finance is too much. You know, it, um, trading, investing, you it's, it's too much. G- women are really good savers, but that's about it. And all mm. those things are just not true. You have the mind to do almost anything that you set your mind to because the truth is you're already doing it. You have mm. a job. If you have children, like I said, you planned a wedding. All of these things that you're already doing, you're proving you have the aptitude. You just have to have the access now to the, to the education so you can do it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the education isn't even scary. I think a yeah. lot of people think it's really scary, like, you know, that they're taking like a 5,000 level finance course mm-hmm. at like a major university. Like it doesn't have to go that far in depth. Like it's just understanding the basics, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you got your mind on the basics, if you learn how to make a budget, if you understand credit, like you're good, mm-hmm. you know, you're good. You don't have to go out and learn as much as a financial advisor. You just have to learn how to to manage your own life, basically. I mean, I don't know. No, it's true. And I think that, to be fair, maybe 10 plus years ago, mm-hmm. the education was kind of scary because it was yeah. like either up, up here or nothing. So yeah. it's like, well, where do we go? And that's why I started The Budgetista. That's Love why it. I wrote my book, Get Good With Money. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, there has to be some sort of guide that walks people through. You mm-hmm. know, that's why I started my online school, Literature Academy, because I said... Like back then, especially now, thank goodness that we're seeing it more, but there wasn't as much access to basic financial education. That was Mm -hmm. not scary. I don't, Mm -hmm. well, like when you read what I write or take any of my classes or whatever, it's not financy, you know? Like I'm like, um, you know, it it just is what it is. I I try to speak plainly. Yes, I I try to give you terms because I want when you go out into the financial world that you understand the terms, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to speak plainly. And if I do use a term, the teacher in me knows to double back and say, just so you know, this is what that term means in regular language. So yeah, yeah, the access is definitely increased. That's why I love, you know, places like success because you're increasing the access to people who might not Mm -hmm. otherwise have it. You know, Tiffany, I really love that you do that. And I love that you, you reach out to everybody and, you know, especially women, but because the way that you put things and the way that you teach people is so applicable and it's so easy to understand. I think I learned more in our last chat than I, I'm serious. When you put it you said something along the lines of, if you go put a burger on your credit card, do you realize that you're taking out $5 yes. for a cheeseburger, like a loan? Yes. And I'd never heard it put that way before. And I'm like, I think I did that earlier this week, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? And and so when you put it that way, I mean, you're helping so many people out there. You're yeah. helping so many women out there get the confidence to learn about their money. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's, it's such a pleasure. I I always knew when I was a little girl, I wanted to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And, and then I, I just thought I'd be a teacher in the classroom forever. So to see the extension that as a teacher... I, you know, I, I'm a teacher of personal finance through, you know, online education, through books, through, through things like that. Like I'm still what my preschool teacher students used to call me, Miss Tiffany. I'm still Miss Tiffany all these years later. And I really enjoy it. I feel like 
if, if I were to say I have a superpower, it is my ability to teach. It is my ability to take you from a place of no knowledge or low knowledge to a place of knowledge and, and to do so joyfully and, and, mm-hmm. and gleefully. Isn't it funny how our purpose shifts? Like you always knew your purpose was to be a teacher, but mm-hmm. at some point in your life, in your career, it was teaching four-year-olds and being Miss <laughs> Tiffany. And at this point, you know, you're teaching like the masses and millions of women how to manage their finances. It's crazy how like the core of that is always yes. that you've been a teacher, yep. but it's just manifesting itself in different ways as so, you progress through your life. Honestly, some of the craziest things, like, you know, like when that law got passed, I was like, wait, I have a law? Wait, what? <laughs> or like, like when my, my book made the New York Times bestsellers list, I'm like, wait, I, ha- I have a New York Times bestseller? Like mm-hmm. preschool teacher Tiffany? Like, what is this? You know, like, yeah, it just, I think to me, I hope like the listener, one of the things you take away is that do not despise humble beginnings because it might have seemed like, you know, that I was going to be just here, but you're Mm -hmm. able to take this inner core awesomeness that you are and you are able to multiply it and use it in different ways. And so I'm just so glad that like, I'm still Miss Tiffany, but I've been able to like push beyond the boundaries that were set before me and say, no, I can be Miss Tiffany with a New York Times bestseller, with a, with a podcast, Brown Ambition, with, with an online school, with, with, you know, with classes. Like I can be Miss Tiffany on national television. Like mm-hmm. it's still me. I can take that same skill set and, and just like create the world and the life that I want to live. I just like, um, it's just crazy. Like I, and, and, and another accomplishment I just want to share because I, I want to give people the feel that it is possible. Like I'm, there's nothing special about me other than I'm pretty stubborn and I don't give up and I just keep going. Mm-hmm. Even when I'm told like it's not going to happen, I'm like, mm, it will. But <laughs> in 2020, in the middle of the pandemic and quarantine and everything else, we had our best year yet. We, we made our first $10 million in a year, our first eight-figure year. And I'm like, how does a preschool teacher get there, you know, with mm-hmm. this one skill set of being able to teach? And and it's really just like I said, it's about taking your core skill set and asking yourself, how many ways can I multiply it and how many people can I reach? Mm-hmm. And in so doing, I'm not saying everybody's going to make $10 million, obviously, but in so doing, you never know what you're able to accomplish. That's so true. And it's like, you know, the more that you seek to serve people, the yeah. more your purpose is going to multiply, right? Mm-hmm. Your purpose is is further than, I mean... I think it was Matthew McConaughey said that he's always trying to, his hero is the guy he's going to be in 10 years, but he never mm-hmm. meets that guy because that guy is always going to accomplish more and wants to do more and wants mm-hmm. to reach more. And, and so it's, you know, continuing to grow that purpose. You can't just hit a goal and say, I'm just going to stay here forever. You have to keep mm-hmm. moving. And by the way, I think that we brushed way too quickly over the fact that you have a law. No, I'm serious. Like that's insane. And it's so important. Like talk about women of impact, which is all we, we talk about on this podcast. I talked to all of these amazing women and Tiffany, I'm sure a lot of people listening can sit here and recite the quadratic formula with me, but not a single one of us. Many of us probably couldn't tell you the first few things about, you know, how to achieve a good credit score. Mm-hmm. You know, so the fact that you're getting this in middle schools mm-hmm. is incredible. Talk about making an impact on people at such an impressionable age mm-hmm. that they're going to be able to take with them for the rest of their life. That's awesome. Thank you. Honestly, that's of, of all of my things that I've done. That's definitely one of the things I'm most proudest of because 
it didn't hit me that, you know, like I knew the law passed. We went to the law signing. I saw it, but it didn't really absorb and hit me. Honestly, Madison, until like one of my friends, Rihanna, lives around the corner and she has a daughter, Olivia, who's in middle school. And so like I go visit Rihanna like all the time and hang out. And Olivia knows I used to be a teacher. And especially when like parents were homeschooling, Rihanna was like, honestly, can you help me? Because it's too much. And I'm like, don't worry, I'll help Olivia with her homework. Mm-hmm. So I was helping Olivia with her homework. And I was like, financial education homework. I said, Olivia, you're learning about money in school? <gasps> you're learning about money in school? And I, I, even now I'm getting chills. I was, it, this, it was like, this is the impact. Yes. Olivia, you're one of your fave little girls from around the corner. She's learning about money in school because she calls me Aunt Tiffany because of what her Aunt Tiffany did. And I honestly was like, she's like, why are you crying? I'm sick because you're learning about money. <laughs> because it was, you know, like it's one thing to sit and see like, you know, the governor sign a law. It's another thing for like, you know, this little girl that you love, her life is going to be better as a result of the work that I've done. So it just was, to your to your point, uh, Madison, the word impact is the only word I can think of. Like, wow, Olivia's going to be better because of something you did. And there's like hundreds of thousands of Olivia's that'll be better, you know? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's so amazing. Your impact is going to reach, like you said, hundreds and thousands of Olivia's and it's just going to keep growing. Like these these kids are going to grow up and realize, you know, they're going they need to make a law. They need to make a change and it's because it all started with you. It started with what was what was it the budget nista law. The the budget nista law. Like that's mm-hmm. that's so incredible and uh, what an accomplishment. I mean, what an accomplishment. Um to reach the younger generation is so important and to to raise them um with these skills and with yeah. this set of knowledge. So, I mean, Thank you. That's really awesome. Bring it to Texas. <laughs> it needs to reach other places. It does. I'm hoping. I mean, definitely we're seeing an expansion. And so we're, you know, this is maybe, I and mean, it's been 2019. So this has been like two years that they're really trying to like get a study together to see like what has the impact been. And then, you know, help other states roll it out to their mm-hmm. states to say, hey, this is what it looked like when it was successful. This is what it looked like when it didn't. And mm-hmm. so definitely COVID slowed down some of that because I was going to go to a bunch of the schools to do some like trainings. Obviously, mm-hmm. I was not able to. So um, so it'll be interesting to see in the next couple of years, like, you know, like you said, the long term impact. But yeah, I really can't wait to get it for the elementary schools because the babies need it, too. The babies do need it too. Mm-hmm. Tiffany, we're going to take a quick break right here. But when we get back, I really want to talk to you about the difference in financial freedom and financial wholeness. So we are back. And what I want to talk to you about now is your concept of financial wholeness, because a lot of people talk about financial freedom, how to reach financial freedom, but you have a completely different approach. So tell everybody a little bit about that. Sure. Because here's the thing, Madison, financial freedom, super cool, but also Mm -hmm. very um, exclusive, right? It's a small little club. Mm -hmm. And to me, financial freedom is when you have enough money that you no longer have to work for money. So I'm just like, it's like you have this, this bag and you, the bag, you know, is more than enough money for, for you to support yourself forever and ever and ever, as long as you live. Great. But let's be real. Many people are not going to achieve financial freedom, at least not in that traditional sense. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I don't want to teach anything because initially that's what I thought I was going to do. That I was going to teach to financial freedom, but I'm like, well, I don't want to teach anything that's, that teaches exclusivity like that. You know, like let someone else do that. I want, how can I create something that almost everyone 
can achieve. And so mm-hmm. I started to work on a concept that I call financial wholeness. And financial wholeness is if you are the preschool teacher that's not going to make $150,000 a year, you can still enjoy a good life and use your finances as, as this foundation. So financial wholeness is when your finances, these 10 components of your finances come together to create a strong foundation that the rest of your dreams can be built on. So financial wholeness is all about financial fundamentals and foundation. And so these 10 components are budgeting, savings, debt, credit, learning to earn, investing for both wealth and retirement. It's insurance, it's net worth, it's your financial team, and it's estate planning. If you master those 10 things, even if you don't make 200,000 and you're making $39,000 a year as a preschool mm-hmm. teacher, you can still achieve financial wholeness and have a, 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 whatever your financial goals and dreams are, you can still accomplish those with that kind of foundation. And so when I created it, I wrote Get Good With Money, my book, based upon those 10 steps and teaching mm-hmm. you how to master them. And the reception has been amazing because people are like, oh my gosh, so this is for me. I can be the teacher making 39,000, the mechanic making mm-hmm. 60, the doctor making 150. Everyone can participate. So I always say financial freedom is for some, financial wholeness is for everyone. You know, I love that because I think that you're right. There is like a little exclusive club at the top and everybody's trying to reach that that like little click, that mm-hmm. 1%. They all want to be the multimillionaires driving mm-hmm. the Lamborghinis and everything. And a, a lot of people that's never going to be attainable. I shouldn't say it's never going to be attainable. I mean, but you know, a lot of people's passions, their careers, what they want to do with their lives might not lead to being in that little click of exclusivity, mm-hmm. making millions and millions of dollars. And I think that's really defeating when you look at yes. it that way. But using a word like wholeness makes yeah. it sound very fulfilling. Yes. You know, that no matter what you decide to do or how much money you make, you can be whole yes. in that sense. Yes. And I so. love that because mm-hmm. you're right. It can be very defeating, but everyone can achieve financial wholeness. It's just mm-hmm. these 10 core components and it look, the, those components will look different for different people. So let's say I'm 25, which I'm almost 25. It's like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> but let's say I'm 25 and I'm doing estate planning. You might be like, oh, mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense for me. No, for 25, estate planning might be my mom is the beneficiary on my bank accounts. Mm-hmm. That might be fine. Like that might be estate planning for you at 25. That's fine. Mm-hmm. And then let's just say at 40, you've got three kids. Estate planning is going to definitely include a will as well as making sure your beneficiaries are up to date. And mm-hmm. so what I love about financial wholeness, it really molds to fit the person. Because yes. mastering that area of your finances, it really depends on where you are now. And as you grow, so does the definition of financial wholeness for you. So does the way you master those, those 10 components. They grow to fit you too. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. And it makes sense that it's different in every stage of your life because mm-hmm. you're right. The 25 year old estate planning is going to look really different than the 65 year old who's getting ready to retire. Yes. Um, so identifying where you are and continuing those 10 steps and letting them grow with you, yes. learning more as you grow. Um, so that's great. Another thing I want to talk to you about, Tiffany, is last time we talked, you told me about three things that you should do with each paycheck. Mm-hmm. Right? What are those three things? You so, there was a, go ahead. There was a division, right? It's like a third, a third, a third. <laughs> well, I say with your paycheck that there's like really like four four core accounts, right? Okay. So 
It's your deposit account. This mm -hmm. is just like, normally most people have this checking account anyway. It's where your money's landing. Mm -hmm. So that's checking one. Checking two, your bills account. Mm -hmm. And so this is where your bill money is going to land separate from your deposit account because you do not want a debit card with your bills account. So when you get to swiping, you know, you know you're not spending your bill money. Mm -hmm. um, third account is your short-term savings account, or really I like to call this your emergency fund, right? Mm -hmm. So this is a savings account that's not at your regular brick and mortar bank because you want to have it at an online only bank. Because if you ever feel tempted, like we all are when we go to our fave target and you want to make the transfer from savings to checking, that's at least uh -huh. a 24 hour wait. And it makes <sighs> your money inconvenient and inconvenient money gets saved. So, you know, Madison, if you're anything like me, right? You go to the, the you're at the cashier and you're like, Ooh, Target had this cute dress. Target mm -hmm. had this cute dress. It's the only one left. And then you're like, wait, I don't know. Do I have that much money in my, my deposit account or my checking account? You look at your checking account and the checking account is looking at you like Madison. Now, you know, you do not have enough money in this checking account. Yeah. Right. Old school Madison might say, no problem, because I'm just going to make a transfer from my phone, from my savings to my checking. Da -da, even though I was saving for Paris or saving uh -huh. for a wedding or saving for something else. Right. But new Madison has her savings in an online only savings account. So that transfer is 24, sometimes it's 72 hours. So unless you have a sleeping bag and you're willing to lay it, <laughs> lay it down at Target, <laughs> you're not getting that dress. So it makes your money inconvenient. Inconvenient money gets saved. So that's the first savings account. And the second savings account is also at that same online-only bank. But this is for long-term goals. Mm -hmm. Maybe you want to buy a house. Maybe you're wanting to you know, to, to purchase a car or a home. Maybe you're wanting to save up enough to start investing. So mm -hmm. checking, checking, saving, savings. So if you have those four accounts, then your money can land there. And I call it sometimes budget without budgeting. Because mm -hmm. people who are like, I don't want to budget. I'm like, well, just get those four accounts and split your money into those yeah. four accounts. And you don't have to budget as hard. That's genius. And I had no idea about the savings account like that because, okay, first of all, I feel like I've been attacked. Okay. You know how many times I go to like Ulta and I'm like, all I need is shampoo. All I need is shampoo. All I need is shampoo. And then I'm waiting in line to check out and they're so strategic too. Yes. And then they have the whole, the big impulse buy section. Yes. And I'm like, mm, I kind of want to try this, this hairspray and the, you know, all this stuff. And then I end up with all this stuff in my cart that I know. Yes. A, did not budget for, yes. but B, on impulse, I'm like, I can excuse it. I need it. You know, yes. like here's why it makes sense. But I'm sure if I had 24 hours to think about it before mm -hmm. I was able to go yes. back and get it, I would decide, okay, I don't need any yep. of that in my life. Mm -hmm. right? It's true. That so. pause, that inconvenience makes you say, it's not even that serious. Because if you yeah. really, really loved it and it's something that you really are like, no, 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 I do need that. Then that 24 hours, you're going to be like, no, no, no. This is a dress for my sister's wedding. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I don't mind waiting the 24 hours because... I've been looking for a dress like this. No problem. I'll be back tomorrow. Right. But that, that, that hesitancy, that pause is going to mm -hmm. save you so much money. So if you do that, mm -hmm. checking, checking, saving, savings, and even better, if you split it before you get it, mm -hmm. meaning that you say, hey, HR, hey, payroll. Um, so the way my discipline is set up, I need you to do this for me. How many accounts can you split my paycheck into? And many of them can do four or more. Oh, so wow. before I even get my paycheck, can you... Put this much into my deposit account, this much into my bills account, this much into my savings, this much into my, my long-term savings. So literally your check is split before you get. So you know when you go out swiping, I'm swiping from only this one deposit account. It's not my bills. 
It's not my emergency fund and it's not my long-term savings fund. Cha-ching, we're good. You know what? I bet that visually does something to you mentally too when you see lower numbers in your account. I like I feel like when you get it all into one, you're like, ah, I have all this money. I can go buy 30 candles yes. from Home Goods. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, I love Home Goods. I'm not even gonna lie, because I do buy like 30 candles. <laughs> I know, me too. That's how I was able to think of the example. <laughs> but if if it was divided up and you're yep. like, oh, like the number is lower yes. than I usually see it, like mentally, that kind of like tricks you into being like, Mm, maybe yes. I only get one. <laughs> exactly. So you're right. Seeing less money in there. And plus two, it will feel good to know that when you do swipe your card, that you're not swiping bills away. You're not swiping savings away. You are literally swiping the money that is saved for occasions like this. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Split it before you get it. Yes. It's convenient. <laughs> I need that on a phone case. I need that on the back of my, my case. So when I go to use Apple Pay or whatever, it's like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> you sure you want to do that? I tell people that too. That's one of my tips I tell people. I'm like, figure out like, you know, like maybe a phrase like, do you need that? And make it your screensaver. Like go ahead and screenshot like Google, do you need that? And then find like a meme and be like, okay, that's my screensaver. Do you need that? You're like, oh, it's a reminder to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make that my background. Do you need that? Then maybe time I, like every time I open the fridge or, you know, go to Target, like... <laughs> And they'll serve that? in a lot of different areas of my life. Yes. Honestly, there should, someone should create like a, like an app that does that. Literally the app that whenever you go to press on a payment, like the app pops up and says, do you need that? And you're like, oh, yes. um, <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> and I you're mean, like, oh, I don't, I don't think I need this. It's like, no, you know, you don't. Think yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I catch myself all the time and I'm sure a lot of people could agree with this that are listening justifying things that have no reason to be justified, Mm -hmm. you know, like sitting there in the aisle, like, you know, holding whatever it is you want to buy going, Mm -hmm. okay, well, maybe, maybe if I just, uh, (laughs) you know, (laughs) if I forego bread and milk this week and I can get this, (laughs) which will look great on my coffee table. Exactly. And then you get it. And then the thrill of like, oh my gosh, I got this thing. I can't tell you how many times I look back on a thing and I'm like, or like I'll bring it back home and like I've got like this bench as soon as you enter into my house and I'll sit it there. And three days later, I'm like, what's in that bag? <gasps> Wait, what's in that bag, Tiffany? If you have to ask, that means whatever you bought is not that serious. You don't even yes. remember. <laughs> you don't yes. even remember. So even me, I have to throw tricks up for myself, mm-hmm. like separating my money and things like that, giving myself an allowance on a, on a separate debit card, things like that. Because even I'm who... I'm reasonably good with money. I still need some help. And honestly, like it's, you want to sometimes take out the human element. So if you can automate some things, it's really just going to help you. So one thing I learned, like, is I, I purchase certain things online so I can add it. I might be like, Tiffany, your budget for a grocery shopping, say is a hundred dollars or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? So, but if I'm purchasing online one, because I'm home, you know how you're at the grocery store, you're like, I don't think we have tomato sauce. Yeah. Meanwhile, my husband, I come back, he's like, we've got 12 jars. Cause every time you go out, you say, I don't think we have tomato sauce. But if I ordered at home, I could just go yeah. downstairs and look and say, yeah, we've got plenty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, peanut butter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I always have 10 jars of peanut butter. Yes. So people like honestly, like ordering certain things online has helped me significantly to stick within budget because I look at the number at the bottom and I'm like, uh, 125. Mm-hmm. What can I take off without the pressure and the shame of the cashier? Like I was the broke college student, like, you know, the cashier. I'm like, let me know mm-hmm. when I get the 50 bucks. You know, because yes. she's, and I used to literally have this um, game I would play my, with myself that like, okay, 
when I'm at the cashier, I would put the things I absolutely needed at first on the on the the conveyor belt. So mm-hmm. it's like beep, I'm looking like beep, like, and then I would put it in order. So I'm like the things I want, but might not be able to afford. I'm, I'm have it at the back. So once I got the fifty, I'm like, eh, well, you know, yeah. guess what? Frozen pizza, not for you tonight. <laughs> But you know what, Tiffany, something that you just mentioned was like being the broke college kid, you know, and I feel like what's what's crazy is I think a lot of people can relate to this, but mm-hmm. they're willing to let go of the broke college kid mentality when yeah. it comes to just getting impulsive things at the store. Mm-hmm. But then when it comes to doing something that might be good for yourself, like yeah. going on a vacation, right? Mm-hmm. You just need to get away, like resist the burnout, go away mm-hmm. for a few days. It's like you can't justify it because you're like, yeah. it's too expensive. But mm-hmm. you can justify, you know, getting all of this stuff at Target yes. that you don't need. So I actually came up with like a strategy to help people with that because I, I had mm-hmm. a, a friend who I used to call Fancy Girl. And so she really wanted like, I don't know, some like fancy like bag, Market Jacobs or something like that. And she was like, oh, it's too much. It's a few hundred dollars or however much they cost. And I said, okay, but we would go to Target all the time and I would leave like my wallet in the car because I'm like, oof, this is just too tempting. <laughs> but she would get like all these tchotchkes like, because you know, Target is like delightful. Let's be real. It's just like, yeah. everything is so beautiful. So she would get like a little bag, a little t-shirt, a little this. And then I started to secretly add up these little tchotchkes. And after six months, I showed her, you know, if you shopped at Target less, you actually bought your bag. And she was like, first of all, why are you adding up my purchases? <laughs> I'm like, I'm your bestie. I'm allowed to be in your business. <laughs> and then second of all, she was like, wow. And so that's when came up, I came up with the four questions you ask yourself mm-hmm. before you spend money to help you to navigate that space of like wasteful spending versus meaningful spending, right? Mm-hmm. So you ask yourself these four questions and they're in order of priority. Do I need it? Mm-hmm. Do I love it? Do I like it? Do I want it? Need it? Love it? Like it? Want it? And when people see me wear my green bracelets all the time, that's what they say. Mm-hmm. Like need is greater than love, is greater than like, is greater than want. Your needs come first. You know it's a need because it helps to maintain your health and your safety. Yeah. You know, so like, do I need groceries? Yes. Because mm-hmm. if I don't eat healthy food, then I'm not going to be healthy. Do I need my asthma pump? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do I need my eyebrows done? Well, not necessarily, but let's just say you're an anchor and that's your job. Maybe so, because you have to look a certain way to be on set so that way you can do your job. But you see, like your needs are, I must do, must have this thing to maintain my health and safety, right? Then come your loves. Now we usually push loves all the way in the back because the loves are the vacations, Mm -hmm. are the things that make our life meaningful. Yes. You know, you know, it's a love. If you know a year from now, it will still bring you joy. So I still remember the first time I went to Santorini, Greece. I'm like, it was so beautiful. And that was like five years ago. It still brings me joy. That's a love. Yeah. And then the like is no more than six months from now. Is that going to still bring you joy? So that might be like, you know, maybe some earrings that I bought. I'm like, oh, that was exciting. And then a want is it's just instant satisfaction. So I have like an addiction like to like Burt's Bees, like chapsticks. <laughs> like, you know, but it doesn't, I'm not like a year from now. Like, remember that time I was in Walmart and I got the chapstick? It's just instant satisfaction. So what you mm-hmm. learn to do is you reduce your likes and want, wants purchases, things that are going to give you joy only up to a six months or less. So that way you can increase your needs and loves purchases, things that are meaningful and will give you joy for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. So if I spend less money on the tchotchkes at Target, I can spend more money on the things that actually are going to bring me lasting joy. I'm not here to tell you not to have. 
not to enjoy. I don't believe in over-sacrifice. I want mm-hmm. you to get the amazing thing, but I want you to not waste money on the things that actually don't bring you that much joy so you have enough to, to take advantage of, of going on your, your dream vacation. Yes, and isn't it crazy how like you talk about the things that we need, right? I think one thing that a lot of people need is gas in the car, mm-hmm. right? You have to fill up your tank. But how some people and I'm 100% guilty of this, we'll put $10 in the car <laughs> as if they're not going to have to go refill up, Yes, you know, like mm-hmm. in like a day or so. <laughs> and they're like, but if I just put $10 now, I can go get these things that I want later. Uh-huh. And then it's like, they're just prolonging yes. the spend. Yes. And so focusing on those needs and loves and saying, mm-hmm. you know what? I can do more with, if I do less with the likes or wants, I could do more with my needs and loves. It will help to offset that. Because I promise you, there are things that you're like, if I really think about it, that really is just a like or a want. Yeah, there's some joy here. But after six months, I'm not even going to remember I purchased it. You know yeah. what? If I save that enough. So let's just say it's like, for example, my friends used to ask me to go to brunch every weekend, you know, and it was maybe like 50 bucks each time. So you're thinking 200 bucks a month. And what I realized is that what I liked about brunch was not so much the brunch, but it was hanging out with my friends. Yeah. So I stopped saying yes to brunch as far as um, I would be like, after you guys go to brunch, come to my apartment and we'll hang out, mm-hmm. you know? And so, so what I did was I took that 200 bucks instead and I put it into a savings account so I could travel. And then I went to my first solo trip and I, I went to um, Albuquerque, New Mexico, because it's the hot air balloon capital of the world. And yes. I've always wanted to ride in a hot air balloon. And I did. And I remember my friend called me and she was like, hey, Tiffany, we're going out to brunch. I know you don't want to go, but... And I was like, no, 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 I'm in Albuquerque. She's like, what? You were just in Jersey. I'm like, I know, but the, my brunch money, I saved it and I saved it so I can check something off my bucket list, which is riding in a hot air balloon. And I'm actually about to take off now. So got to call you later. <laughs> yes. And you know what? I'm glad that you brought up that story because like that, like satisfaction of like getting mm-hmm. to go on that trip and like do the hot air balloon and everything mm-hmm. like probably made the uh FOMO the fear yes. of missing out so worth it because I feel like sometimes and I know that they don't mean to but sometimes our friends put a lot of pressure on yeah. us to spend money the way they want us yes. to spend money yes right? I call it living someone else's idea of more Yes. Right? So it's like your friend loves to eat out. That actually does bring her joy a year from now. She can remember mm-hmm. a T-bone steak from three years ago because she's mm-hmm. a foodie. And so she asked you to go to brunch every weekend. That's her love. So you are literally taking away from your love bank, which is travel, to invest in what she loves. Mm-mm. Your friend needs to find other foodies to do that activity with. And then you guys can meet together in the middle where it's like we still want to hang out. But let's hang out at each other's houses. Let's meet at the park. Let's, you know, like, let's go on a run or a walk together. Mm-hmm. Because you are literally living someone I, because I always say your needs and your loves are the more side of life. Mm-hmm. Likes and wants are the less side of life. And you're literally living someone else's idea of more. Yeah. No. And so, like, you're totally right. And it's not because your friend is some terrible person. She's just actually doing what she enjoys. Like, oh, my gosh, I love eating out. And you're like, well, I don't. So why are you spending money on, on her thing? Yeah. You know, she can align herself with people to eat out with and then meet you later. Yes. I love that you just said that, by the way. And I'm going to adopt that term into my daily life because Mm -hmm. all of our love banks, I like the term love bank. Mm -hmm. They all look different. Yes. That currency is different for every single person. I've never heard it put that way before. And hearing that already releases 
it, so much guilt that you yes. feel when you're not pouring into somebody else's yes, love, love bank. bank. Mm-hmm. So this is, I'm going to give you some other language that you can use with your friend that helped me a lot. Because at first my friends were like, Tiffany is so cheap. She never wants to go to brunch. So mm-hmm. I started to say, when they said, Tiffany, do you want to go to brunch? I'd be like, ah, oh, girl, I would, but I'm saying yes to Morocco. And they were like, yes. wait, what? You're saying what? I'm like, yeah, you know, the 50 bucks that we spent on brunch, I put it in my love bank so I can say yes to Morocco. Now that never got like a, uh, they were like, oh, I want to say yes to Morocco. Yes. And I'd be like, well, girl, I'm going on this date. If, if this is how much it costs. If you save enough, let me know. We'll get our tickets together. So saying that, that you're not saying no to brunch, you're saying yes to Paris. Mm-hmm. You're saying yes to that winter coat that you really wanted. You're saying yes to that haircut. You're saying Yes to the thing that's meaningful to you. It actually gets your friends excited. And what you might find is now they want to say yes to their what's in their love bank because you're saying that. So when I started to say that, like, oh, I would, girl, but I'm saying yes to, to India um, in this summer. It's like, it sounds so exciting. Like, oh, yo, Tiffany's saying yes to India. She's always doing something amazing. It went from Tiffany's so cheap to Tiffany's so amazing. She's always like traveling and seeing the world. How awesome is our friend, you know? Yes. And you know what, Tiffany? I'm so glad that we had this talk because like like you said earlier, you like to teach people. You love to teach people, but you do it in a way that it's so easy to understand. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting here talking about love banks and all this stuff. <laughs> and it's a fun conversation, but it's, it's tangible yeah. information that we can carry with us into our daily lives to make smarter decisions. So yes. this is like... It's been so great. Honestly, it's been so great. And I really appreciate having you on here today. And for or I appreciate you coming on here and talking to everybody and the impacts that you're making. You know, I knew that you'd make impacts to women everywhere, especially through your work as the Budget Nista. But the fact that you have expanded that to impacting the lives of children all across New Jersey with a law <laughs> is incredible. And I've just had such an amazing time talking to you and just want to thank you so much for coming on here and teaching everybody your awesome ways. Oh, thank you, Madison. Can I share where people can find me? Uh, yeah, please do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you ever have any questions, I am literally the budgetista on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm on TikTok, but I don't really TikTok that much. Um, (laughs) I leave that to the young ones. Um, but I'm also... You can find me at getgoodwithmoney.com as, as well as my new book. And, and I have a podcast as well called Brown Ambition that I welcome you to come on and listen because we talk about money and career and business all the time. I love that. I'm going to subscribe today <laughs> because, because I need to get good with my money. So thank you, Tiffany. Seriously, thank you so much. Um, everybody, go follow her. Go read her book. Go listen to her podcast. Um, this has been a great conversation. And we hope to see you soon. Thank you, Madison. This has been Success Stories with Madison Piper. If you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe, drop a review, and tell your friends. If you'd like to hear more shows like this one, go to success.com slash podcasts.